You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone, this is Shovik and welcome to the Mint Techsetra podcast. I cover technology for Mint where we try to make boring tech sound cool for you and hope that we don't end up making cool tech sound boring. Tune in as we decode the latest from the world of technology in India and around the world every week. Today's episode will be presented to you by RJ Ayush, who's a radio jockey with Fever FM and hosts his own tech show called Tech Panti. Over to you, Ayush. Hey everyone, this is a special episode brought to you by NASCOM. We are demystifying Gen AI for enterprise adoption. Have you heard about the latest buzz in AI? It's called generative AI or Gen AI. It's creating quite a hype and for a good reason. This technology has the power to transform both our personal and work lives. But how can businesses make sense of it all and embrace Gen AI? In this episode, we will embark on a journey toward enterprise adoption. We'll determine if Gen AI is truly business ready. explore easy to implement use cases and keep cx leaders well informed about this exciting innovation and for this i would like to invite mr abhinav kohle the senior director heading cognizance intelligent process automation practice with 20 plus years in it he leads a team driving global automation solutions and rpa implementation for clients fostering a thriving automation center of excellence Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to our podcast, Mintech Sector. Hi, Abhinav. How are you? Hey, Ayush. Thanks for inviting. I am doing well, um, and thanks for asking as well. Thrilled to be here on the call, and I would like to thank uh, Mint and Nascom for giving us the opportunity. Uh, uh, I, I take today actually I lead the technology and growth office for Cognizant Enterprise Automation Practice. and my team is uh, responsible for uh, sensing and making sense of emerging technologies in the automation space especially gen ai which is the latest kid on the block so we we are on a constant watch uh, in the in the current market space uh, things in the space are evolving at such a rapid pace that it is ha- sometimes very hard to even keep up to the speed and hence my team's charter is to you know keep our practice and the organization aware about what's happening in the enterprise automation ecosystem and how that might be Uh, affecting the business how it might affect the risk profile and what are our competitors doing in the space so that's what we do for a living in the tech office uh, inside the enterprise automation practice and um, i will be happy to share my thoughts uh, on gen ai uh, we have done a lot of experiments and we we call it proof of concepts um, and my comments would be mostly as practitioners in this in this space rather than a theory guy wow that's interesting and i'm really glad that you're here on this episode and i know that a lot of people are going to get some serious insights into gen ai so let's deep dive into it what's this big deal with generation ai in the market is it really gaining momentum and do you think it has some serious potential yeah absolutely so uh, you you have seen the the buzz around this uh, there is hardly a day goes by without some new development related to gen ai that surfaces on the social media or linkedin channels nowadays the excitement is well deserved i would say if you have seen uh, some of the mckinsey reports recently uh, what they are estimating is that gen ai can produce 
uh, equivalent of four trillion dollars of value annually. Right? Mm. Uh, some people say that a country's GDP may get increased by by a notch, by by point seven to point eight percent. That's the power of uh, of this uh, technology, right? Um, but let's pivot back to when it started, right? So so that I can give you a perspective, right? So so pivoting back to 2017. Uh, Google had published an article on attention is all that you need, right? And mm. that was where they explained how the transform model works and how they could predict the next world using this technology very well. So that was the starting point, 2017. Between 2017 and 2022, there were a lot of models which were created and labeled as GPT-1, GPT-2. Some of them, like BERT and uh, Roberta frameworks, were created, mm. but those were small, mimified. Uh, large language models at that point of time and now let's fo- fast forward to november 2022 when if you follow the news right like uh, the open ai tick uh, basically uh, released this version called chat gpt and all of a sudden there was such a big buzz in the market right and the difference was that they basically captured the data from open source from from the internet essentially with billions and billions of parameters to create these large language models Right, so that was the pivoting point, uh, just like seven eight months back. Now you may have also heard about a term called artificial general intelligence. We call it AGI, and yeah. in layman's language, it is nothing but an AI agent that can accomplish uh, an, an intelligent task like a human can perform. Right, and some people now believe that Gen AI can take us closer to AGI. Right, and if you remember Jarvis from the famous Iron Man movie. <laughs> it's it's something yes. like that. It's like a bionic arm extension of what humans can do. So so now now again fast forward it from November to July 2023. Today, uh, as we start the last day of July, um, we see that new startups are coming up. Right? If you look at some of the latest reports from CB Insights, they mined around 335 startups uh, around 50 different categories, right? From drug discovery to Uh, patenting informations and all that, and they found out that 91 deals in 2023 in the last six months were uh, funded almost 14 billion dollars. Right, so you can imagine such a big uh, CAGR improvement compared to what it was last year. So I think we are all past that hype of Gen AI. Now the questions that are being asked of us, um, like like a GSI, like us, or any other consulting company, is how can you help me to take to to step towards that journey right uh, how can we think interact and converse using these large language models how can i implement that in my enterprise so that spot is uh, is is the big, is the next big thing right and there are a lot of other things around economic feasibility of implementing these models right are are can 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 we really afford these right and stuff like that so we can discuss uh, in in general but yeah so that's that's i think broadly the power of large language models Uh, how it has come out yeah uh, there are these two words which are right now floating in the market and i would want to know the difference so can you break down the difference between the llm that is large language models and the regular machine learning for me oh yeah sure so so traditional machine learning um, is basically it uses algorithms to parse the data to learn from it and make informed decisions or predictions basically uh, it is like in simple words teaching a child to recognize a dog right and you show the child multiple pictures of a dog ultimately and and until until the fact that he learns how to identify a dog 
right so so uh, the the model is trained on large amounts of data in traditional machine learning uh, and and it, it basically improves the accuracy over the time right um, so so it is basically uh, nothing but a technique primarily focusing on recognizing the pattern and making the predictions rather than generating any new content right whereas gen ai as the name says generative ai is uh, uh, is something that can not only recognize the content but it can also generate new content so it is almost like giving the dogs example analogy that i use uh, right it is as if uh, you are teaching a child to draw a dog after they have learned to recognize one so that's the difference right like it's not only recognizing the dog but you can also generate a picture of a dog as an example so that's how i would analyze uh, these two uh, basic difference uh, so uh you can generate images you can write code you can compose music you know there there is lot that can be done using generative ai models so in short uh, traditional ml or machine learning excels at uh, excels at pattern recognition whereas generative ai excels at pattern creation so that's the basic difference between the two fantastic and nicely put and so easily i've been able to capture this um well it sounds generative ai sounds pretty fascinating but how does it actually help could you give me some real life examples of how it is useful in our daily lives oh yeah so so uh, so broad at a industry uh, industry segment level right broad levels of generative ai use cases are categorized into four segments one is classification second is summarization third is generation and the fourth is extraction right and as the name suggests classification is nothing but classify Uh, a picture or an image right summarization is to summarize a document or a paragraph or an article right generation is to generate content it could be code uh, articles it could be uh, any memo that you want to type in that's generation right and extraction is extracting the content it could be from a document or something like that right so those are the these are the broad examples of what genai use cases can do today right mm-hmm. at a, at a very broad level now Uh, take it at a next level right now from a industry perspective how do you apply these use cases so one of the application could be um, knowledge work augmentation right where ai is helping an insurance agent to interpret complex insurance regulations and policies that are available in the document right another example is uh, or another sliver of it would be process e- efficiency and automation so uh, imagine an ai agent uh, to handle basic customer inquiries freeing us freeing up the customer service representatives from complex queries right so that that's another example of genai application um third would be user experience enhancements right um where an ai can be can provide personalized advice to customers on choosing the right policy so that's basically user experience enhancement type of use case fourth could be very common one which existed in the old world which is for, for which is forecasting and prediction so you can use genai to even predict what kind of claims can come in the future as an example which is like a forecaster design pattern and then you can also use genai for assurance and risk management right so uh, using genai you can uh, ensure that all business operations comply with the latest regulations so it's like a watchdog type of uh, scenario right and i think the one which very rarely gets talked about is code generation pattern which is genai can help all the developer communities to generate code right and that's that's one very uh, very very powerful use case of what we are seeing in our industry today right so 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 i mean broadly speaking 
um, about 75% of the value that generative ai use cases would deliver in my view would be in the customer service operations customer service like you know contact center automation um chatbots conversation ai um and then uh, the and then of course marketing and sales right so that's what would uh, genai use case real life genai use case would look like wow i want to learn more about it because everyone's going crazy over genai so, like are there any real mind blowing applications that you've seen or do you think that it's it's a lot of hype around genai yeah so yeah very apt question for this moment uh, so there is a lot of hype as you rightly said and what i would give you is a few examples industry examples of uh, how genai uh, is getting applied today right and and these are all real life examples right so let me quote a few of them um to 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 explain the difference between hype and reality right so uh, morgan stanley which is a very popular wealth management company in the us is basically using uh, open ai powered chatbots to train their 16000 financial advisors right so you can wow. imagine the the the, the difference uh, it will it will create when when a person calls uh, requesting for an advice on uh, on something related to their funds right another example is carmax which is a car retailer of used cars or used vehicles in the us and they are already working with microsoft and open ai to leverage chat gpt to create car content car research content using genai right um, they have reported increased in inventory eyeballs that are happening on their website uh, reviews that they are getting and also ultimately the sales on carmax.com Hmm. right that's another example uh third one would be i would say um a social uh, question answer website which many people use called cora um they use a large language model from uh, anthropic called cloud and they their question answer responses is getting again uh, powered by genai now right another popular example which everyone knows about is expedia expedia which is a popular travel app that you use for booking accommodations right um, and they are now integrating chat gpt to power uh, and explain to users how they can plan their travels right when they chat or when they are on their website right so travel planning would be another example of that right so these are all industry well known published uh, examples of what genai has done hmm. uh, incognizant now let me take us Uh, take take as what we are doing in cognizant right so as you know we are part of the uh, bpo organization in cognizant and we are actually we do a lot of work for medical transcription for our life sciences customers right so we are use, we are building a autonomous medical transcription solution for some of the bpo work that we do today right mm. another example is uh, leading airlines uh, companies in the us and uk we are working with them to build a chat solution for powering their uh, in app chat solution uh, chat chat agent, agents basically so that's mm-hmm. another popular example of what we are doing um uh, we also work with a very large pizza brand in the us and manage their entire call center operations um so so uh, basically what happens is when a person calls to order a pizza uh, the order comes to our call center operations managed by cognizant and what we are doing today is uh, enabling that contact center to uh, to to basically deflect the calls to a genai powered chatbot so that the customers can 
no longer have to wait in the queue first of all uh, on the store as well as on the in the queue on the line as well as uh, they can get interactive uh, responses on what kind of offerings are available right what kind of discounts are available so that's another example of what we are doing uh, for our uh, contact center operations in the pizza space thank you so much for the answer bitav you told us about how industries are using it and how cognizant is driving um solutions for major industries made be food made be travel um okay so now we know that companies are all excited about genai but how do they actually go from being super interested to actually using it to transform their business oh absolutely yeah and this is in fact a million dollar question that every enterprise is trying to find an answer to um since this is evolving at god speed uh, this is Uh, the the answer uh, and the approach will also evolve over a period of time like any other emerging technology ayush what's going to happen is this will take some time right i mean you go back to history hist- historically speaking it was internet and then uh, the dot com boom and all of these there were learnings right uh, over a period of time so it was adoption that happened over a period of time but from a genai perspective some of the very important aspects that we have seen Uh, that companies should be doing right and we are advising cust- companies as advisors as to what they should be doing right so some of the important aspects are the company has to first of all de- define a posture for adoption of generative ai right how do they want to define the ethics they they have to basically update their ethics policies around how do they want to practically uh, make use of genai right they need to start communicating with their internal internal employees Uh, about what's their standards and what's their policy around adopting to uh, adopting genai so that's one of the very important aspects i would say then they should also start imagining their business processes and identify use cases that will basically add value uh, to the existing business models right mm-hmm. now you cannot you should not be thinking of applying genai to every use case that you have right and there is an economic feasibility to be done for each use case so essentially um there has to be a steering committee that gets set up where use case prioritization gets done right not every use case is a genai use case frankly speaking mm-hmm. there is a roi to roi study to be done for each use case right and there is a cost to building these models so uh, the the very basic question we need to be asking when we identify a use case is can traditional ml not solve the use case right why do i need genai to solve it so that would be an important aspect And, uh, and 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 there is a, there has to be a design center or design authority who governs all of these in, in at an enterprise level right the next one i would say is uh, basically upgrading your enterprise technology architecture right and this is a very important aspect what will happen with genii is that see enterprises already have a lot of these platforms in play right every large enterprise will have a workflow orchestration platform they will have a robotic process automation platform they will have a conversational ai platform analytics platform document extraction platform the list goes on low code no code platform there are already so many tools and platforms out there that uh, that how do you apply genai within this ecosystem is 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 what the challenge is would be right uh, how how will genai sit within this ecosystem that is already at play in an enterprise is where the challenge is right that's where people are trying to figure out how will i now implement a llm model into my existing ecosystem right so 
so so uh, what's what what's happening also parallelly is that all these platform players right like document extraction platform or analytics platforms uh, conversational ai platforms uh, all of the or all, all of these are also trying to uh, implement genai into their platforms inherently right hmm. so the question to the cio or cto's mind would be should i wait for them to implement so that i get a ready solution or should i build something in my ecosystem uh, kind of scenario so that that that's why i use the term that how do you upgrade your technology stack enterprise technology architecture to uh, to to manage these genai models that would that's another important aspect and true uh, the, yeah then the next one in my view uh, would be to uh, basically set up uh, a data architecture uh, around uh, how do you enable quality data for processing this 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 unstructured data that's out out, there, out in the enterprise because any large language model uh, for it to be trained you will need data which sure. is called ground truth right and that data has to be available uh, uh, available uh, to 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 be consumed right um and then i think uh, another aspect would be about upskilling your organization right there are new roles that have been that need to be identified into the organization for example you might have heard about prompt engineers you might have heard about explainability explainability engineers these are the new roles that are coming up new skills that people have to acquire so existing people or existing uh, existing workforce which is software developers data engineers machine learning engineers they have to upskill themselves uh, not only that even business users right business users can use this this uh, this this technology even you can go in and use chat gpt i am sure you must you must have already tried your hands on that so how yes. do you get trained on that right so that would be another aspect of how um, the upskilling at an enterprise level should happen so these are some of the aspects of how enterprise should get ready for this genai uh, bandwagon fantastic answer you know uh, you did say that uh, you know there is something which is stopping all these companies from adopting to um, gen ai so what is holding companies back from fully embracing gen ai are there any game changing breakthroughs we need for this tech to go mainstream yeah yeah absolutely so so i think um, there are a few game changing breakthroughs that are still uh, going to come in right like today what happens is when you make a prompt on chat gpt uh, you are basically typing in a query right and that query is basically called a input prompt and you get a response back immediately from chat gpt right now the way it is charged right to a end user right is that uh, one token uh, is basically almost like 70.75 of a word right and if you if you heard um, gpt4 basically has a max limit of 32k tokens right hmm. so so one of the important aspect is how can and and this token is basically called context window right so one of the important aspect that people are looking up to is how can i get a, a llm model that can offer me more from an input token perspective so 32k limit uh, can it be increased right so that is one of the important breakthroughs that is still awaited i would say right um, uh, another would be pricing right pricing today uh, for the predictions that you get from chat gpt is pretty high right gpt4 for example will charge you 6 cents for input query and 12 cents for an output query for the generated output right this is if you apply that in the context of um, uh, large enterprises this is pretty costly right so again uh, uh, can pricing reduction happen 
um, and can performance improvement happens right so performance improvement is another challenge that people are seeing um, uh, sometimes when you are on a chat gpt window you get uh, a message that look the system is busy right now or something mm-hmm. on those lines right so uh, the challenge is in your enterprise when you start doing these large implementations and it's real time uh, millions of transaction flowing through this kind of a technology um, how can you assure uh, latency right low latency responses back from uh, from these large language models so that's another breakthrough that is required right there are a few others like uh, feedback right um, for example today uh, large language models are closed loop right you cannot uh, when when you ask a question the 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 question and the way we are interacting with the large language model is not training the model right mm. uh, so any feedback that you want to give to the model in order to improve is not happening right it's called reinforcement uh, learning uh, feedback so that is another very big breakthrough that is uh, expected to happen very soon right uh, today uh, some of the models from google for example do support rlhf which is reinforcement learning based feedback human feedback hmm. uh, but it is only for summarization type use case it is not for all types of use cases so that's another important one that that's a breakthrough that will come through uh, a few others i would quote is quote is uh, essentially uh, many large language models are coming are getting built now right uh, apart from google microsoft and amazon there are many others Uh, which are building right like meta for example which is the facebook company they released large language model version 2 recently mm-hmm. uh, it specializes in dialogue management as an example uh, ibm is working on something similar right hugging face which is an open source pl- community of developer platform has got more than 14 1400 ai models large language models available to you so so availability of new large language models is another breakthrough that people are waiting for and these will be these will slowly get specialized to each domain right so you will have a life sciences large language model you will have a retail large language model that's how things will explore in the future right so abhinav very interesting do you think that companies really need to build their own large language models or can they just use the existing solutions out there Yes. Yeah, so, so look um, from a large language model perspective, uh, how you can interact with these models is essentially uh, broadly classified into three ways at this moment, right? Uh, one is prompt, which you and me and anybody can do it, right? Which is uh, just ask a question, the LLM will come back with an answer. This is called zero shot uh, approach to. Uh, learning or, or asking a question or getting a prediction right so this is this requires uh, no training you just have you just need access to uh, the large language model uh, which is nothing but a subscription to open as your open ai or google's version of bard or whatever right so that's that's one way uh, to to interact with 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 the large language models another one is uh, fine tuning the large language model which is basically um, training the model um in in your domain for your domain data or or for 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 a use case which is very specific to your industry so that's like sec- second way of doing it and third way is to build a large language model yourself which is what uh, openai did right uh, they got a funding of more than 10 billion dollars from microsoft they did huh, such a big um, they they did, they they crawled the data across the internet to build this model across billions and billions of parameters right now across these three approaches right 
first and second, which is prompt engineering and fine tuning your existing large language model, is easy to do. Companies can do it. Of course, there is cost associated associated to it, right? Um, but yeah, of course. Uh, so if you if you have a business case, it, these two approaches can be easily taken. The third one, which I talked about, which is what OpenAI did, or building your own large language model, is very very costly affair, right? Mm. It takes millions and millions of dollar to build it. So, so, so to answer your question directly, right? Like you said, should companies build their own large language model? The answer is possibly no. I would say ninety percent of the use cases would be you would be solved by using either a prompt based approach or fine tuning the models that you have. Right. So these are the two uh, two, two ways to do it. Fantastic. Now let's get to the nitty gritty of it. I mean, how much is all this Gen AI stuff going to cost, and can businesses actually afford it without breaking the bank? Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, so, so, what happens is in large language models, you have got at least three types of cost that you have to incur. One is the hosting cost for hosting the model. Second is the train cost, training cost, which is to train the model, right, uh, and and build a large language model or a generative AI model for it. And third is the runtime operations cost, which is when you make a query, you get a response that is called uh, that that is that that's again charged or metered for you. Right. So these are three broad buckets of how uh, the the costing works. Now, uh, as we said earlier, right, if you want to build a model from scratch, that's a completely different ballgame, right? That is millions and millions of dollars. Hmm. So forget about that for a minute. As I said, ninety percent of the cases will be where you use. a uh, prompt engineering or customization to a large language model or embedding type of approach to solve it these use cases are economically feasible but again uh, you know we, we we have to understand what kind of use case you are trying to apply using genie uh, as i said earlier right like like for example let's take an example of an insurance company every day let's say that insurance company is getting um, thousands of documents th- literally thousands of documents and in a year that turns out to be millions of documents and each document is let's say 20 30 pages long right and if you want to use genai for summarizing each of the document right um you will need to uh, you will need a hosting uh, sorry you will need the training cost to train the model you will need runtime operations cost for, for such kind of a use case and it may go into kind of millions of dollar of opex for you mm. or capex and opex combination for you right so essentially uh, again depending on the type of use case the cost benefit analysis is very important for this right so i call it financial ai ops part of it so we have to establish a ai ops uh, center of excellence to understand the cost benefit for a use case versus what it would what benefit it can give so essentially the answer is uh, is on those lines i guess yeah, so cost is one of those things that is uh, that can be a real life challenge but what are the other real life challenges that companies are facing right now in adopting to gen ai yeah and there are uh, i would say broadly uh, three four critical concerns that that exist today mm-hmm. one is around data privacy and security concerns right yeah. so so everybody is hesitant to use generative ai today uh, because they, they simply don't know how the models were trained how the models because it was all uh, internet data right you can easily Uh, you could have easily uh, used the wrong data or the incorrect data to to train the model, and that model would have given you answers incorrectly in that context. So that is one important task. 
second is uh, ethical considerations which is uh, you know uh, raising ethical concerns about its misuse uh generating fake news or deep fakes that you might have heard right or something on those lines or malicious content so that's that that's another very critical aspect to be considered mm-hmm. then we talked about regulatory um, and legal issues right so so companies uh, which are operating in a very regulated industries like banking and uh, healthcare right um, they would uh, have to understand the legal challenges and compliance issues when applying jnai use cases right because a patient might uh, easily ask a healthcare provider that how how was this uh, uh, how was this data used how was my personal data basically used to generate some of the responses that it was able to generate as an example right and i w- i would say the last one is around explainability and trust right so in traditional machine learning what used to happen ayush is that you always used to have some kind of a confidence factor associated to the prediction right which used to tell how how much confident the machine is uh, to give an answer before it give uh, while it give the answer in generative ai today the challenge is because the use cases are summarization and generation type of use cases it's very difficult to get a confidence level of what kind of generation i have done or what kind of summarization i have done so how do you rely on that answer from llm right um, for example if i ask a question to llm it will give me an answer okay if i ask the same question again in that sequence it will give me a slightly different answer or it may say that oh by the way i made a mistake <laughs> so so the challenge is how do you trust the the large language models right so so these are some of the important aspects of what is going to what this industry is going to go through i i am very confident that there is answer to each of them there are mitigation strategies to each of these challenges that we have i think i think it's just time um, like another 6 to 8 months time by which these questions will get answered and i think i, I see a very bright future of of how these use cases can be implemented after that that's again this sounds really exciting and i'm sure many players will want to cash in on this emerging opportunity so obvious question that comes to mind is who will make money in the gen ai gold rush yeah yeah so absolutely i mean uh, what will happen is that when you are um, operating in the gen ai world uh, you will have to think about infrastructure uh, where the models get deployed you will have to think about uh, how the foundational models are getting built okay and uh, then you will have to also think about the services associated to it so essentially i i will categorize this cost factor of a genai into three aspects right infrastructure the foundational models and applications that get generated right hmm. so the money is uh, where infrastructure uh, so so essentially how, how i am explaining this is um, so there are a lot of companies uh, like microsoft google right that are already have large cloud platforms where these models are getting hosted now right hmm. so the money is with these blue chip companies which are already providing you a hosting environment to host these models and consume these models right so the popular ones being microsoft google amazon right they are very well placed in the cloud market uh, as an example baidu or alibaba in china as, an, as another example right hmm. and then there are chip makers like nvidia you might have heard about them which uh, which are which are again uh, very popular in the genai space in terms of the 
the CPU power that they or GPU power that they provide, right? So the so the infrastructure companies like Google, Microsoft, Nvidia are the ones that will earn quite a bit of money through this, right? Then the second one is the foundational models, right? Now big tech companies like Microsoft, Google, they already built these models for us, right? Microsoft has partnered with uh, OpenAI, Google has their own models as an example, Azure uh, and Amazon has their own uh, uh, models like called, called Bedrock. Right now, these large language models are offered to end users. Right, so so again, these big tech, big tech companies are controlling the the consumption of these large language models, and hence they will get the money again, right, mm. from 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 this, right, um, from from this gold rush. There are a few very well-funded startups in this space which have got millions of dollars from a funding perspective, if not billions, and those are Anthropic. Bloom, Cohere, right? And these companies are also going to kind of be in the race for that for that uh, for that rush, right? And finally, um, GenAI applications, right? These applications that are going to get built uh, on on uh, using GenAI, uh, there is a lot of money in that as well, right? So so SI SIs like us, right? Systems integrators like us. Or startup companies that want to use GenAI to build smart industry solutions, right? Hmm. So money is there as well. So yeah. So just to answer your question broadly, infrastructure companies, foundational model companies, and then systems integrators and startup companies that are building applications using GenAI. That's where the money would be. Fantastic! It's I think the right time to you know learn about it, deep dive into it. Uh, but today, given some fantastic insights, uh, you know. and i'd like to thank you for it um what do you say the time for gen ai has just begun absolutely yeah i mean it it is it is the right opportunity right now in the market people are uh, are very excited about it businesses are spending so much time uh, and, uh, and and consulting advisory set, uh, uh, kind of knowledge is getting uh, acquired to to take this to the next level I would like to thank you once again, uh, Mr. Abhinav Kohli, the Senior Director, Heading Cognizance Intelligent Process Automation Practice. This is a special episode which was brought to you by NASCOM. Thank you so much, Abhinav, once again. So that's that for this episode. We really hope that you enjoyed what we discussed. And if you have suggestions in terms of what more we can cover as part of our podcast, do let us know. You can catch me at Distant Vicinity on Twitter and at Shavik Das on Instagram. Thank you so much. See you next time. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Listener.